welcome, welcome all to the Pro Football Radio Podcast. This is your co-host, Jay Chima, with pride and joy of Merrimack, New Hampshire, the Chima. What's up, man? I'm doing good, man. Doing good, living the dream, living that 2-0 and life as a Miami Dolphins fan. Had a, you know, it was a little interesting down the stretch on Sunday Night Football, but a win is a win. Proud of the defense. We'll get a little bit more towards that in the game breakdown for you know, Broncos, Dolphins, but uh, how are you doing, Jay? Well, I'm not doing so great because my New England Patriots are now 0-2. And, uh, you know, it's not in the rundown, but we're going to get to it. <laughs> I've got some things to say about the Patriots. I'm not happy about it. But it, it dawned on me the other day, and let me run this by you because, you know, I, I always like to run these things by you to see if I'm crazy or if the, the same person on the podcast can reel me in. You know, we always say, we always say that Bill Belichick really doesn't understand modern day offenses. And, you know, that's, that's nothing new, right? But is there a chance he doesn't understand modern day defenses as well? Because when I watched that game the other day, he, he basically played a prevent defense against the Miami Dolphins with three safeties back for like 90% of the game. Uh-huh. Like, dude, like, like, dude, what are you doing, dog? Like, that's not how, like, all you're doing at that point is hoping you don't get blown out. Like, there's no attacking going on. Like, there's no, like, you have an actual game plan. You're just like, oh, you know, we'll just, we'll just keep it around, hopefully around 27, and then Tom Brady will come back and we'll win 31 27. Oh, unfortunately, we don't have Tom Brady. We got McCork on the other side. So, like, I, uh, I, I'm watching this game the other day and I'm just getting more and more mad at some of the decisions. And I'm, I'm getting especially mad that Mike McDaniels is running coaching circles around Bill Belichick, right? Um, but I just, I just feel in today's modern, you know, NFL, there really is no stopping somebody. It's turnovers and like, um, and sacks. Like, that's really how defense is played in today's NFL. There's no like, hey, let's just like stop them and see what happens, unless you're playing a really bad team. But most modern offenses, you don't stop them. You either turn them over or you have like big sacks. So he's not being aggressive with his defensive planning. He's just sitting back, hoping he doesn't get blown out. And uh, I'm just, uh, I'm just for a loss for words where this team is headed. And this week we got the Jets. Um, if for some reason we lose to the Jets, I can only imagine the uproar in New England, the uproar with me. Um, I might not be able, I might be, I might not be able to go function as a normal human being for the next two, three days after that. Yeah, I mean, like if if that's gonna happen, like that's gonna happen on the back of Brees Hall, Dalvin Cook, and that defense because Zach Wilson clearly throwing the ball is still an adventure. Oh God, I love this media package; it's great. Um, but yeah, I was kind of surprised about the the Pats on Sunday night. I was expecting, you know, Tua to have a little bit more of a, a, a rougher time in the back mm-hmm. in the pocket, especially without Teron Armstead. Good, back good there. point. Really, really good point, Puma. I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off there, but you know, I was looking at some of the next gen stats for Tua coming out of that game. Like you understand, he only had about 1.9 seconds to get the ball out of his hands, right? Like his his protection wasn't the best. But the fact that he was able to get the ball out so quickly means he knew exactly what he's looking at. He was looking at that defense and he was like, oh, yeah, I know what's happening here. I can Mm -hmm. get the ball out within a 1.9 second, two seconds or whatever it is. Like the fact that he only got sacked once and the fact that he consistently moved the ball down the field means that he he wasn't like, you know, Bill Belichick wasn't disguising and Tua was completely reading the defense like to a T, like reading it like a book, bro. Mm hmm. Yeah. No, again, I was I was really surprised about the offensive line, and you know uh, that's been to me like the the weakest link on this team next to the next to the secondary up until this season. So it's uh, it's refreshing to see all this play out and come together. But I mean, 
Jay, it could be worse. Like, you could be a Browns fan right now. It could be. Yes, yes, it could be much worse. Uh, before we move on, a quick preview of the Jets-Patriots. Uh, we all expect the Patriots to win, obviously, right? Zach Wilson, we all, Puma, let's be real about this. Are you, are you, in, are you saying right now that Jets can win that game? I think so. And I think oh, so. I'm it, saying Puma. this. I'm Puma, saying, stop it. I'm Come only on, saying dog. this because, I mean, we saw what 31-year-old uh, two-knee surgery uh, Raheem Mostert did on the ground against New England on Sunday night, right? But that's game, and, though. And that's Garrett game. and Garrett. Yeah, but, like, that's the one good thing that the, the Jets can do is run the football. I mean, the over-under this Come game on. is, like, the mid-30s. The spread is three. You have Garrett Wilson already coming out saying, like, this is essentially our Super Bowl to snap this streak. They're all howling mad after getting embarrassed on the 4 o'clock time frame against the, the Dallas Cowboys, which, granted, it's the Dallas Cowboy defense against Zach Wilson, who's still throwing the football as an adventure. Yet, Jet fans are still going to hold on to the fact that he's salvageable because Captain Ayahuasca himself has been calling him every day. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, is this team, can, like, they have game changers in that backfield and Dalvin Cook, which, by the way, the Vikings are really friggin' missing him right now. And Brees Hall, even still coming off of that knee surgery, I expect them to pound the rock a ton and really just unleash that defense on Mac Jones, which, you know, granted, I the offensive line I thought held up great against the, the Eagles week one, but like week two against the Dolphins, like the, the Dolphins kind of had their way with that offensive line. So, and that's our, yeah, the defensive line for the, the Dolphins had their way. So I, I think it's going to be a close game. I would not be shocked if the Jets, you know, eked out a win. So, like, to be Mr. Contrarian, I'll take the Jets to win uh, and wow. snap that streak. Do you understand uh, what you're saying here, Puma? Like, they, yeah. they've lost to us, was it 14 or 15 straight times? Whatever the number is. They haven't, they haven't beat us since, like, 2005. Like, I, there's something about the New York Jets. Uh, when they play the New England Patriots, they cannot beat us. Like, we, I'm not saying we're good. The Patriots are not a good football team, Puma. I understand that. But I will, I will go, I will die on this hill, Puma, that we will not lose to the freaking New York Jets. We will not do it, all right? And if we, okay. do, if we do, it's going to be really, really bad. Like, it, it's – people on Radio Today in Boston, Felgram Mads, one of my favorite shows, said, if you lose to the Jets on Sunday, you're on the hot seat. Like, that's officially the first time I've heard somebody definitively say, you know, and that's Michael Felger on, on 98.5 – saying if you lose to the Jets, you're on the hot seat Monday morning. Yeah. I but that. I mean, but Jay, like what about this offense has inspired confidence against this Jets defense, which is actually like, which is really good. Like th there's no dynamic playmakers. They, nobody well, can not, stretch that's, the that's, field. That's not, that's not and Ramondre Stevenson couldn't even run against the, like a, a defense in the, in the Dolphins that gave up like 230 yards rushing against Austin Eckler week one. Well, I'm not, I'm not saying that we're going to outscore them. I'm saying it's going to be a 3-3 game like it was last year, and then somehow the Jets are going to crap all over themselves. Like, you remember that game, right? Like, it was oh, yeah. oh, I do. Fourth quarter, somehow Robert Sala all game long doesn't kick it to Marcus Jones, but for some reason in the fourth quarter, he decides to kick it to Marcus Jones when the game's online, and then we just walk in for a touchdown. Game over at that point. All I'm saying is Robert Sala is a moronic head coach. I have little to no faith in him, and on top of that, the Jets are a loser franchise. So, I, I just do not foresee a – this is the one time I can honestly, definitively say we're going to win no matter what. Like, this is okay. the old school Patriots. Like, I, hey, I no, can't. No matter who it is. 
I can't no matter who it is, we're being the Jets, all right? To see what happens. I'm so glad I got, you know, Sunday ticket just to see this. Just to <laughs> well, live at, tweet this. Look at Connecticut. You probably will get that game anyways. Uh, it kind of depends. it Because it, I'm kind of like right. in the weird spot, like, you know, in, in the in the, well, Giants the are playing Giants playing Thursday night. So literally only the, and the Jets are playing the Patriots. There's no other like local game to even play. Right? Fair enough. I don't know. Uh, I live in like the friggin' twilight zone anyways yeah. on any given day. So yeah. who knows? But okay. yeah, can't okay. wait. All right. That should be fun. But let's talk about um, some stuff from last night. I'm on that football. The Browns lost to the Steelers 26-22. I believe it was the final score in a game that was fairly interesting. I texted this to you last night a couple of times mm-hmm. that it was so sloppy that it was interesting. It was actually entertaining with all the crazy stuff happening. So, you know, the game was in the balance. The Browns could have won it. Deshaun Watson could come through and he could have you know led the Browns to victory, but he didn't. So today the narrative is, is Deshaun Watson a jag? Just a guy. Yeah, he is just a guy. I mean, when Nick Chubb went out with that, you know, devastating knee injury, which, you know, best of luck, Nick Chubb with with that knee. That's the same one that he blew out in Georgia uh, coming out of college. And that's why he fell to the second round. Uh, But I mean, when the game was on the line, like 2019, Deshaun Watson was not walking through that door. I mean, I've never seen this before, Jay, where a quarterback gets not one, but two, like, personal foul like face mask penalties on a stiff arm like i've i've mm-hmm. never seen that before uh he did one of the cardinal sins uh he checked it he off the ref. With, the, with he pushed the ref and somehow he still yeah. stayed in the game mm-hmm. but not only that like they were driving like they had the lead at the time they just had to salt this game away he takes a sack that pushes them out of field goal range and they have to punt and then it, it just becomes an adventure after that he takes another sack and then he gets uh he fumbles and JJ uh, TJ Watt walks it in the end zone for a touchdown. Like it was just, it was absolutely brutal. I mean, the team tried to rally around, uh, you know, the Chubb injury to to eke out a win and go two and zero. But it's like Watson wasn't there to 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 get the memo and to to do his job and get all this guaranteed money that he's paid for. And this is really on the Haslam's. Like you, you got what you fucking paid for. And you know, moving forward, this has to be probably the worst contract not just NFL history. Like this is probably right up there with like Bobby Bonilla in like major league baseball. Like, you know, this is Daniel Jones contract, Daniel Jones contract. <laughs> like, I mean, he hasn't, you know, last year. Okay. He was suspended like six games or he came back for the last six games of the year. And the common theme was, okay, man, like he had a lot of rust. He hasn't played in over a year. He's going to have a full off season. He'll get installed with this offense. But like, I mean, you were sending me this during OTAs. Like, practices were an adventure with this mm-hmm. guy. And then yeah. preseason looked bad. And then last night in primetime, the first pass of the game was was a pick six. So, yeah. to me, he's a jag. He's just a guy. So, it, you're writing the, him off. The you're Browns, saying Deshaun yes. Watson is done. You're No more comeback. Who wants to take a definitive to, stance here? Deshaun yes. Watson is done. Okay, Especially in this offense, Jay. Like, a lot of this is based on timing and getting the ball out quick. And it's a run-first offense. And, like, they, they kind of set it up for the play action, obviously. But, like, he's holding on the ball way too long. And that's not going to work in this offense. Whether or not it's a, you're forward back there, they bring back Kareem Hunt, or they take my ligaments out of my knee and give them to Nick Chubb and put some platelet-rich plasma in there. Like, He's not operating within the confines of this offense. And to me, at this point, like, I've seen enough, especially from last year to now. He's a jam. Have you, though? Have you seen enough? 
Because, like, last year he played, what, five games, right? And that's the suspension. Six games? Six. Okay. Regardless, six. six and they, games, and they, mean, they neutralized Chubb to put the ball in his hands, and that was an adventure. Yeah, but th- at that point, they were basically out of it, right? So let's just see what we got in Deshaun Watson trying to get him up to speed, right? This year, we're two games in. And I'm, not, I'm calling me crazy, Puma, but I saw some flashes of greatness out of him the other night. Like, I saw the zip on the ball. I saw some of those plays where he was able to extend it. Now, obviously, he didn't complete those plays, and, you know, he still has some, some ways to go, but I, I I saw a throw he made the other day. Like, it, like it, was on, it was on a line. I was like, oh, that's 2019 Deshaun Watson. So, listen, I, I still think we are a little too early on this. Deshaun Watson is done trained. Like, all of a sudden this morning, everybody woke up and I was like, you know what? Today's the day we're going to be like, Deshaun Watson's done because that's the national narrative, right? I don't know how much this has to do with the actual, like, off-the-field stuff and everybody's out to, like, get him now. But I, I don't know. I just – I saw him play last night. I thought he was all right. I thought for the most part of the sloppy game from both the Browns and the Steelers. So – I'm going to give him some more time and see what happens. I mean, I'll say this much though, too. Like we, you know, we, and me, especially like I was piling on Josh Allen and was coming around to like, Hey, like this dude is just being a moron with the ball and is costing his team victories. Like, yeah, I saw flashes too, but 2019 Deshaun Watson did not show up on to, to salt that game away. He was, he was an idiot. He did stuff that you're not supposed to do at any level of football. And again, like, you had five, six games, you had a whole offseason, you had OTAs, and you had preseason. And I'll concede that a, not a lot of the starters started in preseason. That's been, like, league-wide. I understand that. But, like, you have the lead. Ford has been pounding the rock. All you have to do is just ball security and no sacks. Like, it's almost like the two-minute drill the whole time. And he just completely did not do that, held on the ball way too long. And it's, it's not like, you know, this division is getting any easier. Like they're going to face Pittsburgh again. Baltimore is looking really froggy right now. And I guess like the, the big question mark now is the Bengals at this point, which we're going to get to a little bit later on. But like for me, like week two, you know, September 19th at 8 p.m. Yeah, to me, he's a jag. So what do you recommend the Browns do here? Because now they're stuck in this contract. I mean, he's owed 45-some million dollars per year guaranteed for the next three. So if he really is a jag, then the Browns are in a in a horrendous situation, mm-hmm. which, I, I mean, I don't, I, like I said, I don't agree with you. He's a jag just yet. Let's wait it out and see what happens. But what's supposed to get the game plan here now? Like, just what? You're going to suck for the next three years with Sean Watson? I mean, essentially, yeah. I mean, I have to go look at the contract and see, like, when they can, you know, air quote, get out of this without having to eat, like, a big old piece of humble pie known as a cap hit. But, like, the Haslam's made their bed and climbed into this. And, you know, there's not a whole lot of sympathy going around, not just from, like, fans of the NFL, but owners either, because this is the reason why, like, owners – we're hesitant on giving like fully guaranteed contracts to Lamar Jackson is like nonsense like this. So they're going to have to, they made their bed. They're going to have to stick with this. Um, it's to me for what it sounds like is like the Haslam's pulled like a Dan Snyder and just force fed this down the coaching staff's throat and said, listen, like Baker Mayfield's a Jag. We're going to go to this guy with all these off field issues and hasn't played in a full season and, and see what happens. And this, you know, you reap what you sow type of deal. So I, I don't know what else sh- they could do. Front of the show, imposing Chris with some um, amazing uh, advice. He's like William Shakespeare out here. Flashes in the distance doesn't mean a diamond could just be glass in the desert. Wow. What is it? Is it was a pro choice staff? Is that what they do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. But he's not wrong. That's yeah. fool's gold. 
It's uh. fool's gold. And you know what's, you know, I was thinking about this on the truck ride to uh, home uh, from doing an errand today. It's like, what kind of shape would the Atlanta Falcons be in right now if they actually yeah. pulled the trigger on this? Because, like, yeah. They got those first round draft picks from from Cleveland, right? So like they're obviously like using that to restock their war chest of you know stripping it down to the studs because they were in cap hell for a couple of years. So I mean, what would what would it, the Falcons look like right now? Like I, I don't even I want mean, to know. I, what I have no idea. Yeah, they probably yeah. jump out of the the luxury yeah. box at this point. Because Desmond Ritter played all right. I mean, the part of the reason why the Falcons are two and zero right now is because they're getting good—not good, but you know, competent quarterback play. And you've got such a strong running attack with B. John Robinson. Like, just uh, he'll be all right. <laughs> he'll be mm-hmm. fine. You know. All right, let's move on to some Sunday night football. Let's move on to Week Three, Puma. The New York Giants are traveling to San Fran to take on the 49ers. It's a ten-point spread, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. Last I checked. Um, the 49ers look like the best team in the NFL. They're 2-0, just steamrolling people. While the Giants are 1-1, coming off of a uh, impressive comeback win was against the though? Cardinals. <laughs> was it? Against the Cardinals. I mean, they're down 21 points or 27 points or whatever the number was, and they came back and won. But, you know, Giants, 49ers, Thursday Night Football, who you got, bro? The 49ers. To me, I, I heard this from Stephen O of uh, Sportsline on CBS. Great follow on Twitter, by the way. Um he made up a he brought up a good point was saying like if this was on Sunday this is probably a 14 point spread. I think the 49ers can name their number here. Uh you know the offensive line for the Giants is you know it's still an adventure. I mean you would hope that you know uh that Thomas is going to be able to play. He didn't he didn't play last week because of the hamstring issue, but uh, Evan Neal like it's still an adventure on that side of the line. Uh this is an elite pass rush. Uh, the, the, uh, the, the 49ers as well, too, like they're, they want to run the ball. They're going to establish the run. Um, even though I think they want to get more of Elijah Mitchell in to take some of the wear off of Christian McCaffrey, but they're facing a giants defense that can't get any pressure on the quarterback. They, they haven't gotten any sacks this year and they give up almost five yards of carry to opposing running attacks. So I think this is going to be the 49ers cover this easily is one of my best bets. And, you know, to hit on the Giants side real quick, like they were six point favorites last week. Like that's how much l- lack of respect the yeah. sports books gave the Arizona Cardinals. And I've said it all week. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals should have won that game. But then Scott Bidwell went down to that mm-hmm. locker room and said, hey, mm-hmm. keep your eye on the prize. We're collapsing for Caleb here, Caleb yep. Williams. So mm-hmm. take the dive, take the loss. Uh, you know, this th- I this is what the Giants are i mean they went six quarters before they scored a point like 60 that, and oh they got is, outscored 60 points to zero points before yeah, they that is absolutely before the Cardinals start tanking that's insane and, and all we've heard all off season from from new york giants fans and i'm not just picking on your brother jay i've heard it from everyone <laughs> calling in wfan too yeah. is oh man the giants were really going to surprise people we're going to make a big run for the nfc nfc beast the nfc beast is back no, I mean, yeah, sure. Yeah. The commies are two and zero. The Eagles are two and zero, and and the, and Dallas is two and zero. But like, you're like that meme from Grown Ups, where you're you're like the step the the, the daughter with like the 1950s bathing suit and the swim cap. Like nobody wants anything to do with you. Like just go back in the corner. I know they they didn't travel back home to go back out west. They've been hanging out in Arizona the whole time. But I just I have no faith in this offense. I think the 49ers are going to roll, and that's yeah. them rolling with Elijah Mitchell probably getting more work, and Brandon Ayuk probably not getting a whole lot of work because he left that Rams game with a shoulder injury. 
but like there's nothing about this rev- this revamped Wink Martindale defense that, that they haven't gotten any pressure on the quarterback. So no, give me the 49ers. You know, you know it's been a complete disappointment so far is Kevon Thibodeau. Like yep. Kevon Thibodeau for the Giants. This is year two. And I was having this conversation with my brother last night. Like, you know, he's a Giants fan. It might be a little too early to use the B word, uh, which is bust, obviously, for Kayvon Thibodeau. But, you know, if we're a year and a half in, let's say we're four or five more games into the season and he's had 18 starts and he's his belt and he still is looking lackadaisical, looking like he can't pressure, looking like like looking like he doesn't really care or engage on the sideline, like the video was showing, him not celebrating with his teammates. Mm-hmm. I, I think Kayvon Thibodeau is definitely a bust. But listen, overall, I agree with you, Puma. Like, this thing's going to be a bloodbath Thursday night. I think the 49ers are going to steamroll. 49ers right now are the best team in the NFL. Like, top to bottom. I know I know Dallas got that amazing defense, but I think top to bottom, defense and offense, with the scheming of Kyle Shanahan and everybody they use, I mean, like 49ers big. I would, I, I think this thing would end with like 14 points at the end of the day. Like, I would take the 10 points and and, uh, and the 49ers. Yeah. Imposing Chris ain't wrong. Front of the pod, George Kittle masterclass coming. I can feel it. Ab- absolutely, Chris. Like, <laughs> absolutely. Like, fire up everybody you got at DFS yeah. or, or anytime touchdown. But no, it's going to be ugly. And, you know, let's, you know, go Niners. Faithful to the Bay. Let's go. <laughs> go Niners. All right. Let's move on to a team near and dear to your heart the Denver Broncos versus the Miami Dolphins. Um, you know, a lot of different angles here. The Dolphins are coming off a win against the Patriots. We just touched on that game a few minutes ago. And the Broncos are coming off of a loss against the Commanders, which for the most part, they were in command of that game. They were up like, I forgot the number, what the number was at halftime, but they were steamrolling the, Bron- the Commanders, and then they came back and, and lost that game. So, you know, a couple of different angles here. But the first thing I want to start with is, you know, just how long is the leash for Russell Wilson? Because now you're starting to see Sean Payton. He's chirping a little bit. Sean Payton uh-huh. is going into the press conference after these games. He's kind of had needling Russell Wilson a little bit. He's kind of pushing the buns a little bit, which, you know, I get it. Russell Wilson has been, you know, fairly abysmal in the second half of these games, the first two games so far. But I, I also want to bring up the fact that Sean Payton himself hasn't performed well as well. Like he also, the clock management hasn't been there. Some of the decisions he's made hasn't been there. So I know he's pointing fingers at Russell Wilson, but sometimes you gotta look at yourself as well, Sean Payne. Now, ultimately, he's a head coach. He can make the decision. He can do whatever he wants to do, right? So let's say, you know, he's not happy with Russell Wilson in the next couple of games. Just how short is this leash for Russell Wilson? Oh, I think, uh, you, you know, by week eight, it's going to be a little interesting if we're still having these problems here. But, I mean, you know, Sean Payne put his ass in the jackpot when he did this, uh, you know, pretty much sit down with USA Today and was yep. blasting the previous coaching regime. And, I mean, he's essentially doing the same thing Nathaniel Hackett exactly. did. Well, that, like, uh, thank you for bringing that up, Puma, because he basically said the coaching sucked last year. And this year for the Broncos, the coaching sucks. Yep. It's brutal. And it's like the personnel groupings aren't going out right. And he's trying to say like Russell Wilson needs to re- wear yeah, a wristband. Yeah, I saw and, that. you know, he was throwing, you know, Vance Joseph under the Greyhound too about how the defense wilted away down the stretch. Was, against the was, was Sean Payne always like this? Like very, very conniving, very Weasley? Like, come on, I don't man. Like, remember, I don't remember him being like this, but at the same time, like how, how often did the Saints have like, slow starts i mean the first year he got there was essentially a free pass in my opinion because they just got through breeze they just went back home after katrina and the whole superdome was redone um but i I, honestly like week eight you might see jared stidham if if he's still really 
Wow. But I mean, I mean, he's he made it kind of perfectly clear laying things out like, you know, he's trying to put as much real estate between him and Russ being like, listen, mm-hmm. it's not me. And, you know, I just came in here. The quarterback is still the problem. Um, to me, this is, you know, kind of 50 50. I thought the, the beginning of the end was last year when we started to see Russ do these not Russell Wilson things. And hey, you want to let Russ cook and he just he can't even cook ramen noodles. I mean, <laughs> we had, you know, he had that Hail Mary and then it, 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 you know, the, the, the two point conversion didn't fall their way, you know, whether or not that's passing interference, you know, whatever the commies got hosed on one last year. So I, I guess like that bird came home to roost, but like for this game preview, like it's in like the dolphins are finally home. It's going to be like 90 degrees with 200% humidity. The, the visitor bench is going to be directly in the sunlight. Like they're going to be cooking out there. The spread is, you know, six and a half, seven, depending on what book you're getting at. Um, there's questions about Jalen Waddle. He's in a concussion protocol right now. Um, but if he's good to go, which I, I think he will be, like it sounds like he's making like okay yeah. progress in his recovery. It's just going to come down to whether or not the independent neurological specialist signs off on it, as well as the Dolphins medical staff sign off on it. But all signs point to him possibly playing. But even if he doesn't, and it's like Cedric Wilson out there with Tyree Kill, and like, yeah, sure, Patrick Sertan, the second will be on Tyree Kill. Like, I mean, we saw what Tua did with what the defense was giving him with the running game and even with like Durham Smythe and, and Craycraft. So, I mean, I'm, I'm personally laying it with the Dolphins. I think yeah. it could possibly get ugly. And if they yeah. lose on the road, they go 0-3, and it's an ugly loss, like, Good Lord. I would definitely love to listen to Denver sports talk radio mm-hmm. that day. Yeah. I'm actually going to roll, roll the Denver Broncos here. I, I think they are close, man. Like, you know, they're putting up some good points. There a couple of things that you've got to clean up here and there. The communication aspect between, uh, you know, Russell Wilson and Sean Payne has to be cleaned up. But I mean, call me crazy, but I think they're almost there, man. Like that defense hasn't played up to billing from last year. Um, last year they were just amazing. They were like keeping everybody under 17 points. This this year they're giving up 35 points to Sam Howell, which is unfortunate. But I think they're gonna be able to correct it. I think with Jalen Water being in concussion protocol and the fact that Tyreek, you know, can be negated a little bit with the bracket or double coverage or whatever it is, as long as you don't play that stupid ass defense that you know uh, Brandon Silly played with the Chargers in week one. I wouldn't be shocked if if somehow the Broncos pulled it out, especially it being the the last you know little straw of the of the season for them. They got to win this game to to keep on keep on keeping on. But you know, I wanted to ask you real quick, just because you're a big Tua fan, and it looks like there's a lot of hype around Tua right now. You know, is he a legit MVP candidate or not? I mean, personally, I think so. But like the narrative nowadays is, well, if you can't throw the ball, you know, to the other end zone. Uh, then you really just don't deserve any consideration for anything. Probably not. I think he's a dark horse candidate personally. Um, so the, the common tag is, well, if Tua could stay healthy, yeah. Well, yeah, if Patrick Mahomes could stay healthy too, like he'll be an MVP candidate as well. Lamar, if he could stay healthy, he'll be an MVP candidate. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think so, Jay. I mean, who else Who else could it be right now? I mean, Jalen Hurts has kind of stumbled out of the starting block. Joe Burrow, we're going to get to him in a minute. Like, he's had his own little issues going on. You know, Mahomes is one-on-one. Trevor Lawrence is one-on-one right now. I mean, right now, like, he's 2-0. and yeah. Like, it's him and and Hurts. And, you know, right now, Dak Prescott is, is 2-0 and as well, too. But the way he functions in this offense – and the way that this team, you know, he's starting to show like that leadership quality that's actually 
starting to come out more on the national scene. Like I've heard a lot more of it from like the beat reporters, obviously down in South Florida, but like on a national level, when they're talking about how he's really taken over like this locker room, like, yeah, he's putting up the numbers. Like he's, you know, top, you know, most pass yards right now, the NFL through two weeks, which granted is the smallest sample size possible. It's two weeks, but that's something that you definitely have to start taking that into consideration is like he's functioning in this Mike McDaniel offense and his comp the whole time since coming out of the draft is he's like a Drew Brees type of character. Well, let's not start dinging him for being like Drew Brees now that he's in the pros. Well, I did see a very interesting change in philosophy and maybe you can speak to this more because you're a, you're a Dolphins fan. I did see this year and let's take the Patriots game example this past week. He was only sacked one time, right? And he was only sacked one time but he still only had 1.9 seconds to get out of the ball. Like he was the most pressured, quote unquote, from the advanced analytical stats over the weekend. He had the least amount of time to throw. But the scheming and the way to get the ball out so quickly is negating those hits on Tua. Like I feel like Mike McDaniel went back to the drawing board in the off drawing board in the offseason and said, you know, no matter what, we're not getting this kid hit. So we're getting the ball out as soon as possible. And even when you have a, a decent defense in the Patriots per, uh, providing pressure on him, they still were able to get the ball out immediately and on top of that only one sack for that for the whole game and the other thing too jay is what defense is he facing all the time in practice he's facing vic fangio every day every day and i've been saying all offseason that vic fangio being on this coaching staff was probably the biggest addition in the offseason for this team so if he's starting to sharpen his skills against the vic fangio defense and now he's like translating it to actual game film like Good Lord have mercy. Like this team, again, if it, so get, I get so pissed If he could stay healthy, my hand got caught in the mic stand over here, get all fired up about this nonsense. If he could stay healthy, um, imposing Chris, a good question, firing off in the chat. Love it. I like it. So, question for MVP if they can remove that player and still get results, is that player actually the most valuable? Well, I mean, if you if you removed you know Tua out of the lineup last year and you put in Teddy Bridgewater and Scott Thompson, they were crap. Like last year, they looked absolutely horrible. And this is the one thing that kind of bugs me a little bit with the whole Tua conversation. Like we have seen that offense last year with Tyreek and Waddle look like dog shit with Scott Thompson and and Teddy Bridgewater. So you know, I think there's more to it than just the. Uh, the dink and dunks that people pretend like Tua does all game long, there's more to it. There's leadership. There's there's a command. There's a feel for the offense that he has that other quarterbacks don't simply have in that offense. Mm-hmm. Yep. And all right, last game of the preview slate for us, the Rams versus the Bengals on Monday Night Football. Lots of storylines coming out of this one. Joe Burrow might not be playing. He's hurt. The Bengals are 0-2. Um, his calf is apparently tweaking from what I understand. And there's a chance he might not play on Monday night. So we got to win this game, bro. Dude, I got the Rams. It's prime time. It's they're traveling across the country, but with all these questions about, you know, the, the calf of Joe Burrow, and it's the one that he aggravated, you know, at the start of training camp. And that's why he hasn't had a whole lot of reps with the team. Uh, This is kind of why Jamar chase wanted him to just sit out the first couple of weeks and just make sure he gets right. Uh, yeah, just give me the Rams. The Rams have been like to me one of these big biggest surprises Surprise, in the yeah. NFL. I mean, I'm personally surprised because I thought yeah. you know Dude, Matthew Stafford fire, right? was like okay, like you know you sold out to get the Super Bowl, and now Matthew Stafford has like 
a neck injury and the elbow problem going into last season. And, oh, look at that, Cooper Cup, 30-plus-year-old or 30-year-old uh, wide receiver with recurring hamstring they've issues. Got, but like They've got that Pokemon wide receiver now. But they got Tutu Atwell and Puka Nakua, and, you know, they still <laughs> got Tyler Higby there. And, and you know, we're kind of seeing, like, it's, it's weird to say, like, we're seeing a resurgence of like Aaron Donald, mm-hmm. uh, Donald to a certain extent, because like last year, like nobody really said his name. Like, I don't, I don't know if maybe he was just like not into it last year. I know he was kicking the tires and possibly retiring until the Rams showed up at his house with like a Brinks truck and said, Hey, like get in loser. You're going to get this cash too. Uh, but I mean, he's been wreaking havoc on the defensive line and you know, with the calf injury, you have Jamar chase saying, well, we need to take more shots down the field. Yeah, Jamar, that's great that you want to take you want to take shots down the field. But to your point, Jay, like you can't take shots down the field if you can't push off that leg and that calf is giving you issues. And now you want him to stand in the pocket where his offensive line has been dinged up a little bit. And now he can barely move with, uh, you know, three time, three time defensive player down on you. Yeah, Yeah, you got Aaron Donald bearing down on you and you can't protect yourself. If they roll him out there on Monday night, it would be negligence by the Bengals organization, simply put. I mean, we both understand that Rams are going to win this game. You know, we're impressed with the Rams. Probably Joe Burrow is not going to be starting. If you roll him out there, that's negligence. Now, the question I want to ask you, Puma, is let's look at long-term here, right? Let's see what the the Bengals' schedule looks like here moving forward. And I was looking at this earlier today just because, you know, they have a bye week in a few weeks now. I would sit him out for the next four or five weeks like truthfully honestly like there's a couple games that they can win but if i'm them i'm i'm sitting i'm sitting him out as long as i can just so you can have him for maybe down the stretch if you guys can win a few games or you know depending on what happens next year you can bring him out for next year as well Mm -hmm. so what's the what's the schedule you have the schedule up like uh... yeah let me pull it up real quick i've got that right i was looking at it earlier today um let's see let's see so here we go i got it so, so here's the Bengals schedule, right? Uh, can you see it? Yeah, I got it right here. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we've got Bengals and Rams, right? Obviously, uh, that could be a loss there, right? Bengals and Titans, man. Like, I don't know. Like, the Titans haven't looked that impressive. You can potentially win that game. I mean, you can definitely win against the Cardinals, right? Um, let's see. Let's see here. You've got, you know, October fifteenth. You've got the Seahawks, right? Um, and then you've got a buy here, right? So the buy comes after the 15th. Uh, do I have that right or no? When does the buy come into play here? Ta-da. I think so. Yeah, so 15th. Yeah, so that's two weeks between between games there. So, you know, you've got four more games here, right? So let's say they squeak out two wins somewhere along here, right? That's not that's not far-fetched against the Cardinals, and maybe you got lucky bounce against the Titans. Now you're looking at what two and four to start the season. Is that is that my is my math right here, right? Or two is two and six, right? Yeah. So two and six to start your season, and then you have the bye week. I mean, at that point, you can come back and go on a run if he's healthy. Like two and six is not that bad, in my opinion. Yeah. No, I can uh, I can buy that. The only the only issue is is like the backup quarterback has never had like a start. Like he's he is definitely green behind the ears. But I mean, you just paid this man. You made him now the second highest paid quarterback in NFL history because they restructured Mahomes' contract. But you know, for the Bengals it would behoove them to sit this guy, especially when you've seen what happened to Aaron Rodgers like last week with the calf mm-hmm. injury. Yeah. Uh, and, and that was also the same calf that he tweaked uh, at training camp as well, too. I mean, Joe Burrows historically had slow starts to the season because he hasn't had a full training camp, like, you know, 
yeah, it sucks to miss him and you potentially are looking down the barrel of an 0-3 start. But, you know, weird things happen in the NFL. Like, it's not beyond the realm that, hey, like, maybe the Rams come crashing back down to earth, traveling across the country in primetime, and they squeak out a win. But, you know, I agree with imposing Chris here. Like, sitting Burrow seems smart analytically, but not good from a PR standpoint. You're not going to sell tickets that way. But, like, for the long term, to protect the investment, I would sit them this week. And I think that's what the betting market is expecting because this game opened up in a six and a half point spread. And I think it was out Sunday or maybe it was yesterday. That spread came crashing down to two and a half. Let's so see what it is right now. So right now the spread is one and a half for the Rams on DraftKings. Can you see yeah. this, by the way, on, on your screen? Yeah, yeah, I got it. So I got Rams Bengals at one and a half. Yep. So, wow. I mean, more, a lot of money's coming on the Rams side because they're expecting, you know, Joe Burrow to potentially miss. So, I mean, this is one of my bets. Uh, I got this early. I got the Rams plus two and a half. Uh, you know, if let's roll. You let's like... roll. Let's roll right into this, man. We've got Puma bets rolling. Let's uh, let's get the Puma bets going. So for the Puma bets, like I just said, I got the Rams at two and a half earlier today. Uh, before I started losing the number, I actually got that off of uh, FanDuel. DraftKings was hanging out at two. Um, but if it's starting to seem more likely than not that Joe Burrow is going to miss this game. Uh, this spread is going to swing and the Rams are going to be probably favored by, you know, one, it'll essentially be a pick them, but I want to be out in front and potentially get points with the Rams at this point. So that's one of my best bets this week. Uh, the other one I got in earlier yesterday, actually right after Monday night football ended, I got the Titans uh, plus three against the Cleveland Browns this week. Uh, it originally opened at four. I was holding off on betting that game, uh, kind of hoping that the the Browns would, you know, really handle the Steelers and that number would go up, but it did the opposite. It went down half a point. Uh, so I got the the Titans at plus three and a half. You know, road dog, home dog, it doesn't matter. Uh, Mike Vrabel will drag this game out and, and, you know, drag the Cleveland Browns into the mud and keep this game close and, you know, take it from the top of the show. Like, to me, Deshaun Watson is just a guy, and this pass rush for the Titans made life really uncomfortable for, you know, the uh, the social media quarterback known as uh, Justin Herbert. So imagine what they're going to do with a quarterback that's been holding on the ball for way too long. So I'll take the Tennessee Titans plus three and a half. Uh, the other one I got for the NFL this weekend, uh, like I said, I got the Miami Dolphins minus six and a half. Uh, just go back maybe 20 minutes and listen to that game preview. And then I got over 46 in the Falcons-Lions game this week. Uh, I mean, week one aside, the Lions just gave up 37 points to the Seattle Seahawks, who Geno Smith just threw the ball 45-plus times in overtime and they were without their starting offensive tackles. Granted, C.J. Gardner-Johnson missing probably the rest of the season with the torn peck is not going to help anything. Uh, the secondary, to me, is going to come crashing down to earth a little bit. Uh, yes, the Falcons are a run-first team, but we saw Desmond Ritter actually move around the pocket, actually you know, extend plays out with his legs, scored a rushing touchdown. But he also started finding his playmakers a little bit, notably – you know, Drake London, he found him in the end zone for a passing mm -hmm. touchdown. And Bijan Robinson is just such a special Beast. running back uh, coming, out of, coming out of Texas. So they're going to find different ways to get him involved in the offense. I think this is, has the potential to be a sneaky shootout. So I got this at, like I said, I believe it was at 46. Uh, some books probably have it at 46 and a half now. And I just to throw in some college, Jay, 
Um, yeah, let's go. I have this is probably you know you can speak more toward it. Uh, this is probably one of the better weekends for a college football slate. Um, I got Ole Miss going on the road to Tuscaloosa, getting seven points against Alabama. Uh, to me, this spread is too big. You know, Ole Miss, in my opinion, probably should be favored at this point. Uh, they have one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC, which isn't really saying a whole lot because I think the SEC quarterback play is kind of on the downward swing, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. But, you know, you have all this, you know, turmoil going on in Alabama of like, you know, Lane Kiffin is saying the defensive coordinator for that team actually isn't calling the defensive plays. And they have this, you know, fiasco going on at the quarterback room with is Milrow actually going to start or is it one of these other two guys? They barely beat USF last week with the backup quarterbacks trying to, you know, win the starting job. They gave Milrow the job back. This is probably Nick Saban's last year. Uh, he just doesn't look into it, in my opinion. Nick Saban's uh, last year? What the hell is I think so. Really? I think so. That's what a lot of people are starting to say is, like, Nick Saban, this potentially could be his last last year at Alabama. And what's he going to do? Go sell, go sell Mercedes-Benz down there or something? Like, I mean, he was uh, really putting on the lip service trying to convince people to let uh, a two-loss team into the playoff last year. So, hey. He's, he's got the PR skills, but I mean, this is what happens Jay. Like you have a bad offensive, not, not even a, a bad offensive line by sec standards, but like, you know, the quarterback play is down. Like you don't have yeah. Bryce young saving you anymore. You don't have Tua saving you anymore or McCorkle Jones and other first, first round draft picks at the skill position uh, players to kind of cover up some of the warts here. You, you know, all the, the throwing the football with all three of these quarterbacks has been a bit of an adventure in Alabama. So Give me Ole Miss on the road getting seven points. And then the other one, we're, we're going off of the beaten path here. We're taking uh, – we're going to go over 52-and-a-half in Liberty versus FIU. Yeah, that's right. Liberty, FIU. So Wow. Out of all Liberty, the games this weekend, that's the one you pick, huh? Even You know, we're going to get back to it. You know, the, there was on, a there's slight like, edge with this one. but There's Ole Miss, Alabama. There's Ohio State, Notre Dame. There's Iowa, Penn State. Well, there's amazing the thing, games. Jay, you gotta, and you, you went Liberty follow, FIU, huh? You got to follow Puma Bets on Twitter <laughs> to see what my latest picks are. You got to tease it so people come back. Okay, but anyways. All right, all right. I'm sorry. So I'm not a we're gonna go over here, okay? We're going over 52 and a half in Liberty FIU. All right? So Liberty here. Hugh Freeze leaving for the SEC, going back to Coach Auburn. Like, this team is averaging almost 40 points a game through, like, three or – I think they actually had a week zero game. So, through four weeks, they're averaging almost 40 points a game. Uh, FIU in their last home game against North Texas, that total combined for, like, 86 points. So, if I'm going to get, like, 40 points from, you know, Liberty with a transfer quarterback from, from Tennessee – I just need a little bit of lift from FIU. Let's <laughs> oh go. God. Like, mash that over, over 52 and a half. So those are my Puma bets right now. But like I said, a little tease on the top. If you follow me on Twitter, at Brando underscore Puma. Is it still Twitter or is it X? Whatever it's called. Whatever it is. You follow me on there. Hash, you type in hashtag Puma bets in the search bar, and it'll bring up, more than likely, it'll bring up all of my action that I have from the last previous weeks and then what I have going on this week as well too. 
a quick question for you before you we head out of here, Puma. I'm a big Ohio State fan. My Buckeyes this week are traveling up to Notre Dame to play the Fighting Irish. What's your thoughts on the fact that Notre Dame is only plus three at home? Because on paper, these both, both these teams are fairly evenly matched, right? I just thought this spread would have been bigger with Notre Dame being at home. And truthfully, to be real with you, I think Notre Dame is a better football team. So what what are you thinking there? Is, is like Vegas trying to entice you to bet on, on Notre Dame or what? Um, I think so. I mean, I, I think it really just comes down to they have more faith in the Ohio State offense with like and you we know, all even, do, right? Even with like, you know, yeah, you have Kyle McCord back there, but you have all these like studs at the skill position players. And, you know, they're probably looking at what happened last year, which granted, it's not the same quarterback, right? They had a transfer coming at Notre no, Dame. No, they year. had Sam Hartwell coming from Wake Forest, I believe. Yeah. So it's a different quarterback back there. Um, the offense from Notre Dame, from what I've seen, from a little bit looks you know competent so like i think they could probably keep it close within three um but i'm just gonna sit back and watch that game and enjoy it i don't really want to bet either side um uh, but i mean if we we're gonna go last year i mean no i think notre dame covered i think they kept it close because their defense showed up but they just couldn't put points on the board now are you gonna take my advice and call out on saturday from work because you know this is the first saturday with like five monster matchups like Notre dame ohio state old miss alabama colorado oregon there's like so many other ones like you know you've got to understand puma this hasn't happened i think that was like since like 2015 where like so many ranked teams are playing each other so it's been an eight year bro it's been eight years since this has happened i think you should take your time you should call out sick, call out sick with the Rona, and then just enjoy I, football. I, I, I love how we're, we're, you're putting my business on Front Street on YouTube when some of the people I work with actually follow the page. So, Shit, I... um, <laughs> well, cats out of the bag. I guess you can't call out now, huh? <laughs> nope. Yeah, nope. I'll be I'll be there, but I'll, I'll I'll have like the laptop set up and everything. But um, Jay, speaking of Colorado, let's let's touch base. Let's touch on Colorado. No, no, no. I'm, I'm no. Colorado now, bro. No, no. Let's touch no, on Colorado so, real quick I'm because Coach Prime. Be, I'm tired of turning around and, and seeing Coach. Yeah, but Prime hear me out. Hear me out. The, the, if the YouTube algorithm, if the dick. YouTube algorithm is going to push Colorado content, I will shill for Colorado content at this point. But I mean, they're a 21 point dog going up to Eugene. Uh, you know, what, what's your take? Because I'm saying lay them with Oregon. I think it's going to be a very long day at the office with Coach Prime. Do you believe? We well, I don't believe, Prime. Uh, you barely, you, gonna get you barely, gonna you get barely eked out a win against Colorado State. If it wasn't for Novell getting uh, clamming up and coaching not to lose instead of coaching to win, uh, you guys would have lost big time. Well, not big time because it was a close game. But, you know, Norvell got well, way too cute. I said this earlier a couple weeks ago. These two next weeks for Colorado are going to be the big litmus tests, right? Like you've got to go on the road and play in Eugene against the the mighty Oregon Ducks, which are fast track, great football team, in my opinion. And then you come home the next week and try to play USC at home with Caleb Williams and the Heisman front runner coming in. Honestly, bro. I think they can lose both of these games. Like, I think they're going to be so outclassed, like not even just skill position wise, but in the trenches, these boys are going to push them around. And if they somehow squeak out a one-on-one record against these two teams, that's a victory, bro. Like that's mm. a victory in itself because they're not going to go 2-0. More likely than not, they're going to be 0-2. But this is it, Coach Prime. Like everything you say, everything you talk about, all the hype around you, now is when you can actually prove it to us. Now, I'm not saying you're playing, you know, Nebraska and Colorado State. Now you're playing the big dogs in Oregon and USC. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I saw a stat that I think it, Colorado leads the nation in lost yards due to sacks. Like their offensive wow. line is brutal. And, you know, cheap shot or not, like Shadur Sanders was taking shots back there against Colorado State. Like they were just pinning their ears back. Uh, maybe their starting center will be back this week against Oregon. But no, it's going to get ugly. Like from a betting perspective, I know it's a big number. It's 21. So there's always a chance for like a backdoor cover here. I would t- I would take Colorado on this though. 21 is a big but, number. Like, I, I would lay it because there's no Travis Hunter there. You know, Travis Hunter is going to be out for at least, you know, three to four weeks with what some people are calling a lacerated liver. Um, but, you know, no Travis Hunter there. You know, from a betting perspective, you know, money line wise, like, yeah, if you want to put like a sprinkle on Colorado, sure. But like 21, like, I, I think number. I think they're going to roll. I mean, Oregon drops fifty on defenses this season, so they dropped eighty-two. <laughs> they you know, yeah, like they put up a basketball listeners. score. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I that would, would, I, that, I would that would bring this coach prime hype train to a screeching halt. If like Oregon lays sixty on them, that'd be that'd be hilarious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, sir. Well, uh, is there anything else you want to get to, or do you want to wrap it up? Uh, I think uh, I think I'm good. You know, I I'll, I'll do a couple of welfare checks on you during the Pats Jets game to see see how you're doing. Um, <laughs> Let's go. But this fire episode, Bell check. The fire. So you you want them to lose at that point? So uh, I guess this, you're right. I guess I this guess episode it's a good point, of the pod and previous episode of the podcast can be found on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts at under Pro Football Radio Podcast, social media, Facebook, Instagram, Pro Football Radio Podcast, Twitter machine, or X, or whatever you want to call it, at CFR Podcast. I'm on Twitter, Brando underscore Puma, Jay Chima on the ones and the twos. The captain of the ship is at Jay Chima. Imposing Chris, keeping it real as always, in the chat. Love it. We'll see you next week. Via con Dios. Via con Dios. <laughs> <laughs>